0: May I speak to you in the name of our one, holy, triune God. Amen. Amen. One of the things that I didn't know would be such a significant part of the PhD program was that I would develop a love-hate relationship with the theologians that I've studied. When I was an undergraduate, I'm pretty sure that I just loved every single book that I was given. But now, 12 years later, I can say with confidence that there are some theologians that I don't like. Which is to say, right, I struggle with the ideas that they present in their writings. Sometimes because I think they're overlooking something essential, sometimes because I think My own life experience contradicts their opinions, sometimes because I just think their argument is flawed. One of those individuals who falls into this category of theologians who, we'll just say I tend to strongly disagree with, is Stanley Hauerwas, a theologian who holds a joint appointment at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland and at Duke. Was, who is now about 80 years old, was named America's best theologian in 2001 by Time magazine. He's the author of nearly 40 books and published dozens more articles. It pains me to say this, but Stanley Wass is kind of a big deal. Thank you for laughing. You should laugh. <laughs> Now, Hauerwas is most well known for his understanding of the relationship between church and state, the relationship between the body of Christ and society. In other words, one of his most essential questions is what is the task of the church in the midst of a broken world? And so without oversimplifying his ideas, I'll lay out the heart of his response to this central question because I think that it will challenge us to go deeper into our gospel passage for today. What is the task of the church in a broken world? For Hauerwas, Christians should not try to change the world by getting involved in politics. No. Christians change the world by showing up to church. In a world Hauerwas writes of mendacity and fear, the task of the church is to be the church, to be a community of peace and truth, to tell and retell the story of a God who so loves us that God gave for us God's only son. Christians change the world by showing up to church and loving one another as Christ loved us. Now, This idea that Christians change the world by showing up to church might not seem like a completely new or different or even novel idea. But Hauerwas takes his claims very seriously. For example, Hauerwas is a staunch pacifist. During a time of war and conflict, he says, the response of any Christian, let alone a Christian community, can never be war. Nor should it be getting involved in the political system to try to stop the war. Some other theologians, for example, don't think that war is a good thing, but sometimes it's a necessary evil. And sometimes immersing yourself in politics is a way to bring about the change we wish to see in the world. But for Harawas, during a time of war and conflict, whether the war is literally or figuratively right outside of these walls, the only response of the Christian community should be to show up to church, to love one another as Christ so loved us. By doing that, we embody an alternative, a different option, a different way of being in the world. By being that kind of community of peace and truth, by telling the story of salvation and by loving one another as Christ loved us, we help the world to understand that it too is bound by God's goodness and that it doesn't need to take the path of violence and sinfulness. In the midst of war and political divide, Christians change the world by showing up to church and loving one another as Christ loved us. So now that you're all experts of Stanley Hauerwas, you're sorry, or you're welcome, I don't know. Probably you're sorry. I'm sorry. Now that you're all experts of Stanley Harawas, let's turn to our gospel passage for the day. Even though our text comes five Sundays into our Easter season, we return again to the period right before Jesus' crucifixion, when Jesus is preparing his disciples for life when he is no longer with them. Where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, one of the interesting things about this passage is how the new commandment we find in the Gospel of John is slightly different from the one we find in Mark or Luke, for example. In Mark, when Jesus is asked what commandment is the greatest, he replies, the first is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. In Luke, when Jesus is asked again about the law, he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan pointing his listeners to see that our love of God must be intrinsically tied to our love of neighbor, especially the marginalized, the victimized, and the disinherited. But in our gospel passage for today, Jesus is looking directly at his disciples. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. In this version of the commandment, Jesus isn't telling his disciples to love their neighbors, to be the Samaritan who helps the man beaten on the side of the road. He's looking directly at them. Love one another. It seems that Jesus is pointing to something internal in the communal life of the disciples. That them loving each other will be an indispensable part of their faith when he is gone. Perhaps, loving one another is the precondition of being the good Samaritan who loves the neighbor, especially the victimized and the oppressed. In this iteration of the commandment, Jesus is asking his disciples to look inward, to love one another. By this love, Jesus says, People will know that you are my disciples. Love one another. sounds a lot like this idea that Christians change the world by showing up to church and loving one another as Jesus loved us. In a world beset by conflict, Hauerwas says, the first responsibility of the church is to be the church to be, as he calls it, a story-formed community. The task of the church is to show up, to tell and retell the good news of Jesus Christ, the story of his radical ministry, his death, his resurrection, and to carry on the story of salvation through our acts of love for one another. By living in this truth and by being what Howard Hauerwas calls the peaceable kingdom, We tell a different story and show the world that there is an alternative way to live into the fullness of our humanity. For Hauerwas, the kingdom of God is not built by individual Christians immersing themselves in politics. The world is not changed by grandiose acts of justice where we sacrifice ourselves for the common good. The kingdom of God, he says... Is built in parking lots and potluck dinners. The world is changed by ordinary Christians showing up to church and loving one another. Perhaps here you can more fully understand why Hauerwas frustrates me so much. Because I deeply believe that Christians, that as Christians, we also have a responsibility to be out in the world fighting for justice. So here's the question that Harawas forces me to ask myself: With a war going on in Ukraine, terrorist insurgencies in Iraq, Mozambique, Libya, Tunisia, to name a few, protests erupting all over our country about abortion rights and racial injustice. With all that going on, do I really believe that my first responsibility is to show up to church? Do you believe that in the midst of such tensions and turmoil, that showing up to church will transform the world? In a world of mendacity and fear, Hauerwas says, The task of the church is to be the church, to be a community of peace and truth, telling and retelling the story of a God who so loved us that God gave for us God's only son. I would be a terrible academic and future priest if I didn't admit when someone is right, especially when that someone is a person who I disagree with. And after reading our gospel passage today, I think that on this point, hear the word this, on this point, Harawas is right. Our first task is to be the church, to love one another as Christ so loved us. My friends, this is the good news of the day and it's also the challenge. In a broken world, Our responsibility as a Christian community is to show up and love one another. And I believe from the bottom of my heart that that will change the world. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Amen.